2: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Sarah, thank you very much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. The countdown to the Fed decision just two hours away now. Another rate hike widely expected, but it's the road ahead that matters more to your money and this market. We discuss and we debate what's likely to happen and what it means for the hour today. Bryn Talkington, Steve Weiss, Joe Terranova, and Jim Labenthal. show you what the market is doing two hours before this decision. Not much. We're in a holding pattern, obviously, wanting to hear what uh, the Fed does, what Jay Powell says, the chairman. uh, Shortly after that, Joe, uh, Johnny Fine, Goldman Sachs was on a short time ago, said it's the most important Fed meeting in a decade that we're going to be hanging on every single word. We're going to be hanging on the Fed chair's tone. Um, His eyebrow twitches a little. We're going to try and read into that. Uh, That's what it's going to be
3: like. It is going to be an incredibly important uh, press conference after the statement. Federal Reserve chairman has to acknowledge two things. He has to acknowledge that inflation remains sticky and that we have a regional banking uh, crisis that has not been contained and needs to be contained and it's going to slow growth dramatically. So I I really think in his words, what I'm looking for is, is there validation for the fact that the market is pricing in that the next move would be a cut? Think about that. So after today, the next move, the market is telling you is a cut. I wanna know if we could validate that or not. Okay, if you go back in history, there have been times where the Federal
2: Reserve has pivoted dramatically. Yeah, He's not going to come out today and, and say no. We're he's gonna, not. We're but think, okay, but let's Tell think of that. Let's I don't think want it, you to be disappointed.
3: No, he's not. But in December of 2018, okay, that was a very hawkish Jay Powell. One month later, that was the complete opposite. And if you go back to Fed policy, even think about where we were in August of 07. In August of 07, we raised rates. We were worried about inflation. One month later, we were cutting rates. Is the market right? Is the market right that the next move is to cut rates. I think that's an important question. We're going to get a little bit insight today. You know, time. I'm going
2: to bring in Leisman right now. Our Steve Leisman, our senior economics reporter, is down in D.C., obviously, at our bureau before he makes his way over to where it's all going to happen. He's not going to be in the room where it happens, but he's going to be close enough. You know, Steve, at 10 a.m. this morning, you said the following, quote, certainly something is wrong with the regional banking system in this country. I heard you say it on our air. It's going to be strange to me to hear you at, after 2 o'clock say, certainly something is wrong with the regional banking system in the country, but the Federal Reserve raised rates anyway. Um, what are the
1: chances of a pause? I think there's a chance, uh, uh, Scott, and the reason is because I think you could make a very good case uh, what I would call a cause for a pause. I've been talking to people for, for days now and, and asking, where's the upside? to to hiking rates today. And the only, there's two upsides. I'll tell you the other part of the story, which is one, if you have surprised the market, then you maybe think that there's worse going on than the market believes. Well, guess what? The market kind of already believes uh, things are not so great with the regional banks. The other thing is you you, you give your inflation uh, fight uh, a little uh, uh, setback. But to me, six weeks is not that big a deal. So we've had two ex-Fed bank presidents who know a lot about the markets Mm -hmm. say, don't hike. Our CNBC Fed survey, Scott, incredibly, 59% saying a hike would be a mistake. And mean, you just look at the regional bank stocks, they're telling you trouble ahead, not trouble behind.
2: Yeah, Kaplan and Rosengren, uh, respectively, are the ones yeah. that you're referencing. I know, uh, formerly of Dallas and, and Boston, saying, don't do anything. You know, let's figure out what the second half looks like. Jim exactly. Labenthal, let's figure out what this regional banking issue really looks like. And you're in the don't do anything camp, right? You're in the 59% of our CNBC Fed survey, which says do nothing today in part because of that very issue
4: i strongly hold that opinion on the other hand i think they're going to raise i mean this is a fed that's made it clear they don't want a surprise so uh the market's expecting 25 they're likely to do it uh, I do think it's a mistake because there are three, at least three forces right now that are tamping down on this economy. One is ever-increasing interest rates on the Fed funds rate. The other is quantitative tightening. And now this banking crisis and the lending uh, dry-up that's going on along with it. So there's a lot of forces to do the Fed's dirty work for it. Joe, I have to address your hey, comment Scott, about...
1: Scott, yeah. I'm just wondering if I could interrupt Jim real quickly. Go. Um, there, there's a rule that I have, which is the Fed doesn't surprise the market unless there's a reason to surprise the market. And the reason to surprise the market today is the bang that you might get from the regional bank stocks. I've come on this show and repeatedly told you the Fed cares less about stocks than you think the Fed cares about, overall stocks. When I think it comes to regional bank stocks or just bank stocks in general, Mm -hmm. I think the Fed cares more because the equity of a bank is part of their capital structure. And if that goes down, it keeps going down, it makes the banks more difficult to raise money, raise funds, and right. it erodes the capital structure. So I think there's a positive reason here for the Fed to surprise today. In general, Jim is absolutely right. Today may be an exception.
2: You know what? And, and to that point, I, I would suggest to, to you, Jim, let's play semantics a little bit. a little bit. Um, doing nothing is a surprise, mm-hmm. OK? Rather, you say they don't want to surprise it doing something that the market doesn't want to happen is a shock, right? There's a surprise. There's an upside surprise. There's a downside shock.
4: Yeah. So I mean, let me be clear. I'm, I'm taking everything you're giving me. And Steve, you know, from your lips to Jay Powell's ears, uh, I want you both to be right in that regard. I, you know, I think this is a terrible mistake, to tell you the truth. And with Joe, I think, yes, there will be cuts. And then you're going to have to, if you're Jay Powell in the Fed, you're going to have to yourself. What was the point? of 25 basis points on top of almost 500 basis points in the last year plus. I just don't see a point to it. Mm -hmm. I don't see an advantage to it. I see see a strong disadvantage. I see pressure where you can least afford to put pressure, which is the deposit funding uh, of banks. Bryn?
2: Yep. Bryn, so you've you've argued for, for many months at this point that the market was kind of underestimating what the Fed was going to do this whole time. Don't fight the Fed. You've said it a million times, and rightfully so. But how do you see it now is this 10 and out is this the last one today if they go
5: well well my my narrative has been the feds going to overdo it because they overdo it most of the time if we if powell raises 25 basis points he's pulling a maverick he is at nine g's we are the fastest pilot in the world and all of a sudden he's like let's go a little more let's go a little more and what happened when we got maverick got to 10 g's The fuselage blows up, up, and the wings come off. Every little incremental move here, when we have these cracks in the regional banking system, to Steve's point, I think he's spot on. It's like, we're not seeing deposits coming out of these banks. I listened to PacWest last week, to M&T. It's like they are trying to heal their balance sheets, but they cannot handle the short sellers just like sitting on these names, just pushing these stocks down. We need to have the health of the regional banking system because it is pencils down. And so I think it's a very, very dicey 9G to 10G. It doesn't seem that much. Mm-hmm. Incrementally, I think it's exponential. And so he needs to pause. Otherwise, we're going to do what most Fed chairmen's have done in a tightening cycle is overdo it. And by the way, if they cut rates, it'll only because there's been some damage done in the economy. And it's like, why even risk that? Read the room. Things are slowing down. It's pencils down at the regional banks, which, as we all know, are mm-hmm. just like, the grease in the economy, we need to have a strong lending. And then, you know, nothing to do with the Fed, we haven't even talked about the nonsense of the debt ceiling. Right. right so there's right, just right. like so much for the market just to be anxious about. And so I think pause, wait, read up, read, read the room, please, for, for, for once.
2: The room, Weiss, is three bank failures since March. Um, you've got the view from uh, out in Milken as that conference wraps up. It's good to have you with us uh, from out there. So what's your view here? Uh, less than two hours away now, Steve
6: yeah, so talking to a lot of people out here, obviously, uh, spending time with some CEOs, getting a sense of what they 're thinking about the economy on Sunday, I was in a room with two trillion of family office assets and you couldn't find anybody who's bullish, and that's for good reason. Now, the bulls will say, well, that's great, everybody's bearish, so let's buy the market. That would be the ultimate mistake. But in terms of the Fed, in particularly today, I don't think it matters. The die is cast on what their moves have done over the last year or so to the economy. Well, they do no 25 or so, it doesn't really matter. In terms of bank stocks, Frankly, the, bank, the banks will be able to raise more capital with lower prices. However, that's not the issue. To Steve's point, I'm trying not trying to parse what he said. It's about another run on other banks. So the banks are in trouble. That's clear. You know, we heard Jamie Dimon say, hey, this phase of the bank crisis is over. The initial reaction, well, it's positive. Bank crisis is over. No, right. this phase is over. So you still have the issues with commercial real estate. Blackstone's not the only one to walk away. The building in San Francisco selling for a fraction of what it was worth a year ago is not the only one that's going to crash in terms of value. So look, so what Jim said, the only thing I agree with what Jim said was that the Fed's got three levers and they're ruining the economy or weakening the economy. Exactly, Jim, that's what they want to do. That's why you don't want to be long up the kazoo stocks right now because they will get their way. Now, what I'd say is if there's one Fed meeting where I'd feel good about buying into it, it's this one. Because if the Fed goes 25 bips, the market expects it. If the Fed happens to pause, then the market's going to take off, at which point it'll rally for a few days, and then I would sell it. Because anything the Fed does off script in terms of a tightening cycle means that Mm -hmm. things are worse than my friend Jim the bull thinks. So So you don't want to own it, Earnings will come down, prices will come down. So,
2: Leesman, I know you got a jet in a a couple minutes, so I want to finish with you before we we let you do that. Um, You know that the way the the Fed chair speaks, um, the kinds of, you know, the words and the language and the tone, et cetera, let's assume that they do what the market expects today and hikes by 25 basis points. Do you think if they do that, knowing that there is perhaps dissent in the room there's certainly dissent close to the room from the rosengrens and and others as we've as we've documented do you think he would go as far as to imply that that's it will he make it somewhat clear
1: that it's the last one it's a good question scott and i have to sort of give you my own view on this my own view on this is you, you look at a bunch of Taylor rules, which is a rule that the Fed uh, uses from time to time to figure out how high to go, the Fed may have to do more work than this five and an eighth where it's going to be at the end of today. My argument for today is the Fed shouldn't do what it has to do eventually today because of the banking problem to see how much additional tightening comes from credit tightening and credit conditions. Um, I think the chairman is going to maybe take that tack, which is to say look, we don't know what the future holds. Um, If there's additional resolutions, if there's additional tightening of credit standards, this can have an effect and we may want to figure it out. So we may take that one, that people are calling one for the road uh, and have that drink uh, and then say, I'm giving it up for now. Um, So I think that's probably the way he does it. He says, you know what, maybe talked a lot about uh, uh, tightening credit standards at the last meeting. It's one of the things that made me, makes me think that, that Powell, the chair himself, may be more on the dovish side of things, and he has a pretty hawkish committee out there because uh, I was kind of surprised at how definitive the uh, other members of the committee have been over the intervening period about talking about a rate hike, and it wasn't clear to me that that's where Powell was. And you're right, Scott, there could be a couple of descents today, but remember, Powell works to keep descents at a minimum, mm-hmm. so that could have an effect on what happens today. And it's interesting, Scott, it's exactly the question you asked me that led me to this idea that maybe the Fed could pause, which is how do I sit there at two o'clock and say, this makes sense, and it won't make sense to me.
2: Yeah, well, and I'll talk to you uh, after it all goes down in, in yeah. during closing, bell. And to your point of, you know, this idea of one more for the road, um, you never know that you've had too many until you've had too many, right? So l- let's see how that all kind of plays into it. Steve, go do what you got to do. We'll see you in a Thanks, little man. bit. And guys. we look forward to that. That's, that's Steve Leisman. So back to you, Joe. Um, pause. Let's say do nothing today. Market goes up. Yes. 25 and imply that that's it market, market goes up goes up yes so you're not worried about a sell on the news of uh, we're done I'm worried about a sell on the news two conditions number
3: one far more hawkish doesn't infer that a pause is coming and in the press conference if he does not correctly answer the question what is the plan are you working with the FDIC are you working with Treasury are you formulating a plan for further regional bank stress. What is the plan? And I think that's a question that's gonna be asked, and he has to be able to effectively answer that question. Otherwise, I think the market is gonna respond negatively.
2: I mean, you own the KRE, you own the regional bank
3: ETF. I don't Uh, care how
2: big the position
4: is. In fact, if you own it, you own it. And the reason I own it, right, bought it after Silicon Valley Bank, is because there is room for a relief rally here if the Fed is done. Well, that's what we Um, thought after Jamie Dimon you know, came in with yeah. the First Republic, well, let's be clear which let's you, be- by the way, took a flyer on poorly. Yeah, well, yeah, I did. I mean, that's unequivocally true, but let's also put it into perspective because I bought it on the Monday after Silicon Valley Bank. I sold it the Friday of the same week. Down 10%. Not happy about that. But when I saw that those deposits, and you and I were with uh, uh, David Faber when we broke that news, right? When I saw that those deposits the next day didn't buoy the stock, that's it. I'm out. Um, KRE, there's really room for uh, a relief rally here. I said this to you uh, last week. I said, look, we're going to have a pullback. We had one yesterday, and there was a lot of breathlessness going on a lot of oh my god here we go we're going back down to the lows that discussion was in the air yesterday okay and what i have found in my investing lifetime is that being breathless is usually not the right move now it is a small position which means i can add to it we can also take it off but what i'm really looking for is does the fed do what joe just said uh does the fed either not pause or pause and make it clear that they're done if they if they do another 25 basis points and they're hawkish mm-hmm. that trade has to come out. That has to come out because it shows to your last point Joe, if they raise and they're hawkish that they just don't know what's going on. So, they just don't know what's going on. Rand I want to play a little hey, bit Scott. On,
2: on, hold on Weiss I come to you in two seconds. I, I want to play okay. a little bit on, on this leaseman idea um, that maybe you get a surprise today and the surprise is a nothing that they actually do nothing. When the market had all but convinced itself that 25 was was gonna happen, um, if they do nothing, is that unequivocally bullish for the the market, which felt a little wobbly of late?
5: I think it's unequivocally aware of actually what's happening and the potential for further stress. I mean, I read this weekend the 118-page microbar you know, head of supervision for the Fed, the review on Silicon Valley Bank, and there were such egregious missteps all along the way. This really wasn't hard to figure out. And so I think the market would, to Joe's point, absolutely rally, because my, my whole contention is like, the Fed understands these long and variable lags. We actually have a crisis that's been duct taped over, but I still think, and I think the market agrees, that we have a potential major issue with these regional banks if the stock prices keep going down because that becomes self-fulfilling. And so I agree with Steve that they are probably looking at the equity of the regional banks. And if they pause, I do think we get a rally because we have an understanding that they don't want to push us off the precipice. Because listen, we don't want to go back to 2008, 2009, when everyone was questioning the banks, we need to have these 4,300 or 4,200 regional banks around. It's so important. So I think it's absolutely a positive not to raise rates.
2: Weiss?
6: So think about the message. Think about what, what Jim's saying. And think about what you're saying. What you're saying is that the things are much worse than we believe with the stock prices and in terms of the bank fundamentals, and that's why the Fed is not going to raise rates. So, yeah, you could focus on top line, as I said before. You'll see, a, you'll see a knee-jerk rally off of that. But then take a look underneath. Take a look at the embedded message. And the embedded message is, hey, public, investing public, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what we're seeing.
2: There no, are more no, no, inept no. bank managers. That's not right. Yes. That's not right. The investing it, public it, it is, is... right. The, no, 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 no. The investing public is see what we see. See what we see. Don't close your eyes to the issue with the banks. No, hold it's, on, it's not hold like on, we're worried on. that they see something we don't. We see it in front of our faces with the regional banks. We're okay, not missing anything. So, we just so don't if, want if, them to be missing if something anybody, driving the car blind.
6: Okay. So if anybody... On the set there, or Brin thinks that they're a better bank examiner than the Fed. That it's the investing public leading the Fed. Then you raise oh. your hand, including you, Scott. Okay. I'd um, say no. I'd okay. say the Fed seeing they're, the fundamentals, really, did say things right, are right, worse.
2: Right. So the so the the regulator of the banks, the, the same regulator out in Silicon Valley, the the head of the San Francisco Fed was so on the case that SVB blew up in her face. Blew up in her face. I, I'd, say, I'd say
6: submit your resume for their job, Scott. You know more than them. You submit no, no, your resume. No, I obviously don't. It wasn't that apparent. I obviously don't, but to it suggest wasn't that, that they're the
2: last word on everything, I think, is misguided. You know what?
6: They are the last word. They may be the wrong word, but they are the last word. So that's what you have to pay attention to. And if they think things are bad, that's what you got to focus on right? And maybe the reality will come out differently in six or nine months, but there's going to be a lot of pain in between. So you can fight the Fed. What you're saying says fight the Fed, because I know better. They know better, de facto.
2: I mean, the bond market's
6: fighting
3: the Fed. Yeah. Steve, do you think that they've handled this well, the banking crisis? Do you think that they have a plan? Do you think that even if we get a regional bank stock rally today, it's not going to immediately fail within a couple of days. I, I don't see exactly where the effectiveness has been in Joe, their I policy said that. responding.
6: Well, that, that, that's why Jim's trade makes absolutely zero sense. Being long and waiting for a relief rally, right? You but, know, and because now but, you're underwater. Now you're underwater. There's a little well, more. Well, hold tonight, on. Steve. That's what you said.
4: Yeah, but, no, but, but, but if yeah, the Fed policy, hold on, Jim. J- Jim, let me get Jim. <clears throat>
6: Jim, hold on. If the Fed pauses, your statement is, implicitly and explicitly, it's because they don't want to damage the banks more. Well, guess what? Is that positive? Fade the rally if it happens.
4: Okay, Steve, thank you. Your point is clear. Let me make my point clearer because it's more than just a relief rally. And I've said this multiple times over the last few weeks. There's a tug-of-war going on with the regional banks between what's impacting their earnings, namely higher funding costs and regulatory costs, and the fact that their prices have come down now meaningfully, meaningfully below book value at a time that the tenure has declined by about 80 basis points from the height of the crisis a month ago, which actually helps their balance sheet. So it's this tug-of-war between earnings and book value. I bought the KRE after Silicon Valley Bank when the damage had been done, okay? So it's not just what the Fed's doing. Now, to the Fed and to your point that they're the last word and that they're the gospel written in the sky, I completely disagree. I'm going to echo what Joe said, and I'm going to give you the episodes of Star Wars as written by the Fed. You go back to 2018, we're a long way from the neutral rate. No, you aren't. As Joe pointed out, a month or two later, they're cutting rates. Then we get back to we're not even thinking about thinking about raising rates to We're going to let inflation run hot, too. It's transitory. And I'm sure I've lost a couple of episodes in there, but the idea that this Fed knows what they're doing is stupid. It's a stupid idea. They have shown time and time again they don't know what they're doing. The evidence on that statement is prolific. So, Jim, so if if you don't
6: believe they know... Go ahead. If if you don't believe they know what they're doing and that they're going to be too aggressive, then you definitely don't want to own stocks. But let me ask you this question. What was the book value of First Republic or Silicon Valley before they went belly up? It was trading below book value, but book value was illusory. They haven't
4: adjusted their book value yet, Steve, so you can can I can't ask you buy into that. One Didn't more point. One, one more ago. point. One Didn't more point. Didn't you say point, ten June. minutes ago this was one the time point. to buy in for this Fed meeting? Didn't you say that, or did I make that up, Scott? Did he say that? Or did I said I make there'll that be up?
6: a rally. I said there would be a rally, and I would fade the rally. Is what I said. Look, I did okay. it last night with Josh Friedman. I believe you know him, Scott. One of Canyon. the top at Canyon Partners. Mm-hmm. One of the top. One of the top credit investors in the world. You're in an
7: echo
6: chamber. It is a, you don't even know what I'm going to say, Jim, as usual, and you won't understand it after I say it, but let me try anyway. It is an unusually great time to invest in credit with the right credit people because the banks are frozen. So what they're seeing now is just unbelievable opportunity that that's the best place
4: to make right. money I, you're, in this world. You're market. right. I don't understand what you're saying, because every breath you take, you change your viewpoint. Honestly, Steve, I'm seriously. I'm so right it's all a the terrible time. T- it it's a t- me. Your words. I'm it's so a terrible right. time. It's a terrible time, your words, to be long mm-hmm. up the kazoo. And then not 60 seconds later, you say this is the one Fed meeting to buy into. I mean, which is it? Which is it? It's it's Jim. Jim, I don't know why you have so
6: ta- so so challenging time with time frames. I said, buy it if you want to on this Whatever. Fed meeting. It will rally and then sell it. What don't you get?
2: All right, all right. Let's <clears throat> do this. Let let's let's, let's take a break. Why? I think we all I think we well, need a I think time? we need one. I didn't time even get out. to oil. This is fun, I to talk to I'm oil. You got all the other you know, things we're going to talk about that before the show goes through. We've got a six handle uh, 68. I think the last print was on, on oil as I saw it uh, straight ahead. We do have committee moves as well. We have your uh, set up for the other big event this week. Apple. It's only tomorrow. And over time, those earnings, of course, closely watched. stocks higher. We're back in two. You saw the Dow. uh, Still modestly in the red. Everything else, though, is in the green right now. Steve Weiss, so we're just in the middle of a feisty debate over what to do in this market. And yet you you bought Uber. You bought Uber. So the stock's up a lot, right? Why are you buying it up a lot?
6: Well, I I bought it before the earnings. It was a small position. I know it was already up a lot before the earnings. uh, it yeah, absolutely was. It's it's had a great move, and it's been on my shopping list. Uh, I want to get involved in it. I barely own any stocks, as you can see from my disclosures. There are opportunities to make money in this market. I like monopolies, and Uber's put a lot of the yellow cabs out of business. It's basically you know trying hard, without even trying, frankly, uh, Lyft's trying uh, to put themselves out of business. So you've got a monopoly. Number one. Number two. With the layoffs, you'll have a labor force as well, so more drivers. So it lines up pretty nicely. And the CEO has just done an amazing job. So monopoly, more labor to drive their cars, it adds up. Now, I think I may get another chance lower, but there are stocks that will do well in any market. UNH, Humana, they've had, not up today, but over the last week, phenomenal moves, so I do think you find places selectively.
2: Susco by the way they upgrade Uber today, positive $48 price target. Remember $45 IPO price. So we got to get back to, uh, to the, the watermark, uh, if you will, of, of, of 45. They think they're going to have another solid quarter and a guide. Uh, you know what, I will do this
4: year? You bought more CVS. I did buy more CVS. Um, obviously, it's down today. Uh, not a bad earnings report, but they've got some extra costs coming up from the acquisitions they've made Oak Street and Signify. It's a very high quality franchise. They've been growing earnings for the last five years at almost 10% uh, per annum, paying down debt. These acquisitions are strategic. The market's off 2.5%. Two, two I'm buying more at 8 times earnings, 3.3% dividend yield. I, I think this is going to stand me in very good stead in the years to come. All right. So we've got the moves, those
2: couple moves out of the way. Bryn, I, I'm going to come to you because I do want to hit what's happening in oil today. Yep. 68.76, down another, what, 4% today. Um, how do you look at this in what's been a pretty tough week for uh, energy equities?
5: Uh, this is a March 10th redo, right? The energy stocks and regional banks... Are, are hyper-correlated right now. And so, as the weakness from the regional banks, which really are the, the Greece and the US economy, you know, people are speculating, well, this means a hard landing because the regional banks would be pencils down and therefore hard landing, you sell oil. So I think from a financial trade, I totally get it. I think the reality is like March 10th, that was a good place to actually add energy exposure, which I did. I think that what people are missing is number one, uh, the Biden administration I think just drained another two million out of the SPR. We also have the OPEC cuts. We are going into the summer season of driving plus. I will say on the on the Asia reopen, the China reopen, whereas domestic flights are back at, I think, pre-pandemic levels, that really doesn't drive oil. It's really those international flights, which are still well, well below that 2019 level. And I think as that continues to pick up, you're going to start seeing more oil needed from China. And so I think there's the ingredients where energy catches a bid. But right now, I get it. The framework is hard landing. If you go into a hard recession, you sell energy. So, so so, I understand it. And so I still stick by, this is going to be a great year to add to the positions. If you don't have it, you can sell calls, collect a dividend. So I'm a long-term holder. I get the short-term pain. But I think a lot of this is overblown. So don't extrapolate right now to the next, I think, 12 to 18 months of where energy prices will be. We
2: jumped out of you today. Markets too long. The market
3: is too long energy. It's very clear to me on the rebalance on Friday, uh, sellers of three equity names, Devon, Kinder, Morgan, and Pioneer, began to reduce a significant overweight towards energy well, that's equities. Right. You did that in the rebalance. We did that the in the rebalance, and there are other funds out there that have 25% exposure to energy equities. That needs to come down. I think, in fact, that's absolutely what's going on just this week alone energy equities are down nearly seven percent and it's a classic example of a sector and positioning that has gone way too far to one side of the boat and it's got to be
2: balanced out all right uh, bertha coombs has the headlines for us hi bertha
7: uh, thanks very much here's your cnbc news update at this hour U.S. officials are responding to Russian claims of Ukrainian drone attack on the Kremlin. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the U.S., quote, can't in any way validate the Russian accusations and that he would take anything coming from the Kremlin with, quote, a very large shaker of salt. Ukrainian President Zelensky just addressed the incident, saying his nation did not attack Putin and only fights on Ukrainian territory. Iran has seized another oil tanker in the Strait of Hormuz, the second takeover of a vessel in less than a week. The Panamanian flagship was captured amid increasing tensions in the region. The Middle Eastern nation has become increasingly more threatening to maritime traffic in the wake of tensions related to Iran's nuclear program. And in Texas, Democratic Representative Colin Allred has launched a bid for the U.S. Senate. The former NFL linebacker and civil rights lawyer is targeting the seat currently held by Republican Ted Cruz. Allred will be fighting an uphill battle, though, as Texas has not elected a Democrat to statewide office since 1994. Scott, back to
2: right, Bertha. Thank you, Bertha Coombs. Coming up, how the regional banking turmoil is shaking out in the ETF market. Times back after this.
8: Welcome back to Halftime Report. I'm Bob Bazzani with today's ETF Edge. Bank ETFs are in focus. The regional bank ETF is down 32% this year on the heels of what started as a concern over depositor flight and higher deposit costs, and is now morphing into a concern about credit, particularly in commercial real estate. So where is the money flowing? Let's talk to Reggie Brown. He's the principal of GTS. This is one of the world's largest market makers, and Reggie in particular heads up that ETF trading division. Reggie, the S&P 500 uh, financial ETF, it's down, what, 5% this year? Year, but the bank ETF, a basket of stocks, money center, and regional banks down 24%, the regional bank ETFs down 32%. Sort this out for us. Where is the money going and coming from?
9: Well, look, I think, well, first of all, I think largely if you look at the ETF sector in itself, the regional banks, a lot of problems, stocks on fire, and the ETFs represent that move. I think a lot of flows are going into Uh, value people buying into the regional players, I think they have an opportunity to make a return. So we're seeing a lot of advisors by uh, the regional banks, in particular, on a value play. So you talk about KRE down and, and the other ETFs, I think largely I think about the mindset that there is value in the marketplace and we're seeing ETFs, buyers going across the line, notwithstanding the 15 and 20% moves in some of the individual names. It takes a
8: big stomach even for a value player to buy in here. The regional bank shares prices are dropping fast, but but there have recently been notable inflows, for example, uh, into the regional bank ETF. Now, why is that happening? Are there short sellers? Explain to us why are people putting what looks like more money into the bank ETFs at a time
9: when the prices are dropping? That's a great observation. If you look at, like, Zion Bank, for example, the, uh, the 30-day option vol is at a hundred or so. And so if you look at the ETFs themselves, if you look at the ETFs and how they're moving, uh, there are short sellers in ETF. In order to short sell, you have to borrow shares. So there's something called Long & Lend, where we're creating shares for short sellers to go out, borrow to sell short. So the uh, shares outstanding is
8: not a good indicator because the short interest is rising. Yeah, that's a problem. Short interest is a big issue. Now, we're going to have a lot more on flows into and out of financial ETFs coming up on ETF Edge at 1.10 p.m. Eastern time. Reggie's going to be joined by Kevin Simpson, Portfolio Manager to Capital Wealth Planning. That's ETFEdge.cnbc.com. Scott, we're going to unpack all of where this money is going in the bank ETFs. Back to you. All right, Bob. Thank you, Bob Pizzani. Up next, the setup into Apple earnings tomorrow. We're back after this quick break.
10: And welcome back. I'm Eamon Javers in Washington. Uh, some breaking news here regarding Jamie Dimon. A source familiar with the situation tells me uh, that Jamie Dimon will be deposed uh, in the ongoing Jeffrey Epstein suit on May 26th and possibly May 27th. The date had been a little bit in flux as they tried to schedule this. Uh, what we know from the court so far is that in this case, uh, Jamie Dimon will be deposed uh, by uh, the lawyers who are suing J.P. Morgan, alleging that J.P. Morgan uh, allowed uh, Jeffrey Epstein to continue his nefarious activities as a client of the bank. Jamie Dimon was told to set aside two days for the deposition. On the first day, the plaintiffs will depose Mr. Dimon for a co- combined total of five hours. And then Jess Staley, the former top executive at J.P. Morgan, will have the opportunity to depose Jamie Dimon. For for two hours. And there's the possibility now that that will overflow into a second day of deposition. So that would be the 26th and 27th, a Friday and a Saturday in New York City in May. Scott, all eyes uh, really focused on that in this case, uh, because the key question there is, what did Jamie Dimon know about the compliance office's concerns about keeping Jeffrey Epstein as a client as far back as the early 2010? Scott, back over to you.
2: All right, Eamon. Thank you. Eamon Javers, the update there. All right, let's talk some Apple. Uh, Overtime tomorrow, obviously, uh, one of the other big events this week that's going to be getting a lot of play, Joe, tomorrow. You recently added it back in the rebalance. Correct. What do we think now?
3: I think resiliency is the word you have to think of in this earnings report. And I think what you effectively need to hear from Apple is we understand that revenue growth is going to slow. We we understand that they're probably going to be very conservative in their outlook, but will there be resiliency in that contraction? Will that contraction only be around 5%? And I think you take comfort in the fact that there will be that resiliency. 800 million plus the instilled base for iPhones. There is the services revenue that will remain strong off of that, Mm -hmm. and then ultimately you fall back on the free cash flow generation of nearly $100 billion, which equates to a buyback of effectively somewhere around $90 billion. So, I think that buffers the decline, so to speak, if you get any disappointment tomorrow. And let's remember, this is being viewed as a safe haven in the market. Yeah.
2: Bryn, you're trying to cover your bases a little bit. I suppose you, you sold some calls on it yesterday.
5: Yeah, I mean, the stock's up 30% year-to-date, been an incredible performer. So I think that the returns for the year are in. The expectation is that um, revenues will decline by 4%, earnings down 6 so they're not going to come out with like 10 or 15% earnings growth. Um, to Joe's point, they do a lot of financial engineering with stock buybacks, which has been great for investors. I think it's a wonderful company. We all use it, and so I sold the August uh, 180s. I collected about five dollars and thirty cents. So well, I think it will not trade up there or through there through August. I can collect some premium, you know, while I wait because I think it is a great company. But I do think up thirty percent needs to be respected, and I do not think they're going to kick, you know, ex- ex- really beat earnings on the positive side just just because that doesn't seem to be the ingredients for the iPhone sales right
4: now. Jimmy? Uh, Brendan, and Joe just did a good job of listing all the positives, why you want to own this stock. And I do own it at 3%. I'm not going to own it at 6%, uh, which is the market cap uh, weighting in the S&P 500. And the reason is simply look at the multiple 28 times this year's earnings, 26 next times. It's priced in there. So you
11: short Apple then?
4: I, I hate that. I know why you're saying it, but I hate that discussion. I'm long 3%. Yes, I'm under the market cap Is it set weighting. up for a fall? I don't think it's set up for a fall, Scott, but I don't think it's set up to rapidly grow from here. I think, you know, as Bryn said, up 31% year-to-date. There's a lot in that rally. I know
2: there were a lot in the other mega cap stocks, too. And then, you know, you saw what happened with their earnings last week, though. You know, a couple of guests I had in closing bell yesterday suggested this thing's set up for a, a fall, a disappointment.
4: I can't, it's hard to see the fall. You make a good point about the comparables to the rest of its brethren. I think it's going to do fine through the rest of the year. But if the stock is up 7 8% through the rest of the year, people are going to think like that's a terrible year. It's actually not bad. I think that's what you'll get. But I think you'll get better growth outside I, of that. I,
3: I don't think you could be surprised if there is a disappointment and a negative reaction tomorrow. It's Where does, where does it go from there? And there's there's enough um, of a case to be made from the capital allocation and strong fundamentals
2: that the downside would be protected yep all right up next mike santoli is with us with his midday word a little over an hour now until the big Fed decision. Of course, Mike Santoli, our senior markets commentator, is with us for his midday word. I mean, Maybe there's a little more of a debate behind the scenes sure. than we wanted to believe. Because the market had pretty much said, okay, it's going to be 25. That's right. Maybe and it's I, nothing.
11: And it's still saying that. Um, yeah, we should look for dissenting votes. We might get some of those. Presumably a dissent, if we get the 25 basis point hike as expected, would be on the side of pausing. Because, again, Powell said in March, They did consider pausing. If I look at all the market vital signs that would convey to the Fed that we're at some critical point where another quarter point is going to actually tip things into crisis mode in the banking system, I'm not really seeing that. Even even with the regionals? Forget today. You see the stock prices doing what they're doing. Yes, absolutely. But if I look at things like mortgage-backed security spreads, they're elevated. They've been elevated for a while. The banks are selling and they're not buying longer-term mortgage debt, but those spreads were higher in October of last year, and and you know, they hiked again in early November. Uh, so, Treasury market volatility—it's again elevated, but nothing compared to where it was most of last year when they were hiking every single meeting. So, I, I think it's it's still arguably a close call. If inflation were, it, were it, where it is, they clearly, and if you hadn't massaged market expectations to the point where we kind of priced it in, here we are. I'm wondering how vociferous Powell's going to be about talking the market off of the rate cut projections mm. for the latter part of the year. Because yeah. that's just history and probabilities. It's not about a real forecast of rate cuts. It's about historically when they stop, when they pause, it's like five months on average till the first cut. That's just the way the market. This is the way it goes, right? I mean, either they've gone too far, the economy responds, yep. or whatever, uh, or we have downside risks to the economy or, or financial conditions, and then it's an emergency. Right, and we'll come. see a little
2: bit later. That's Mike Santoli. By the way, don't miss our CNBC special programming of Berkshire Hathaway's annual shareholder meeting this Saturday. Mike, along with Becky Quick, are going to be live in Omaha. Starts 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Don't miss that. And stay with us. We do have more of the day's biggest movers coming up. Dow is uh, well it's higher by about 22. Back after this. All right, we're back. Eli Lilly hitting a record high today on positive results for its Alzheimer's drug. Weiss, there's the stock up six percent, which you own.
6: I, I own it through, uh, through Joe T., uh, which I'm glad to be oh, an right. owner you're in of the Joe T., T because, so right, right, right. Yeah, right, uh, because he buys the stuff that, that, that I wouldn't, so it's good diversification, he does well. Look, I still think profitable healthcare, which is recession resistant, not recession proof, is the place to be this year if you're worried about the economy, which I am. So they have pricing power. Lilly announced, well, they didn't have a great quarter. They raised guidance, and they came out with good Alzheimer's drug. I think you should also look at Biogen here. Their Alzheimer's drug is also going to do extremely well in the market. So that's a great stock that's, uh, you know, that's bounced along, but now seems to be picking up some momentum along the way. So I think you know own either one of them.
2: Why why do you have Lilly in the Jyoti? Remarkable,
3: remarkable momentum. Lilly is really, it's almost trading like a biotech at this point. Um, Fantastic news, obviously, this morning. Stock's a little bit rich, approaching 60 on a valuation basis. I'm going to once again mention Merck, which trades under 20 and is approaching 120 right now. Uh, I think both of these names are names to own. All right, we'll do final trades
2: right after this quick break. Well, we have a big closing bell coming up, obviously, after the Fed decision, after the chair finishes his remarks, you're going to hear first from Jeffrey Gunlock, the double line CEO. It's a CNBC exclusive. The tradition continues. We can't wait for that. Liz Ann Saunders is going to be with us, too. Another big guest to have. Liz Young will be with us. So we got you covered right after this whole thing goes down. Find out what the Fed does and what the chair says. Uh, and where the market goes from here. That's going to be another big deal, too. Bryn, final trade.
5: Yeah, sticking with healthcare. I like XBI. I'm in this trade. Buy XBI here at like 83. I'm selling the 90 September calls, collecting about um, $3.25.
2: Okay. Steve Weiss, what do you got? Yeah, so
6: I I spent some one-on-one time with Darren Woods the other night. Extraordinarily impressive. It's on my buy list. I think that Bryn's right, you're getting very, very close to an inflection point in oil. Don't forget, the Saudis need $75 to $80 a barrel just to meet their social obligations in the kingdom. They want no unrest, so I think there's a floor on it.
2: I don't know. I just saw a report that Messi was in talks perhaps for $400 million a year to play in the Saudi League, so maybe they need oil to go higher. I I don't know. We'll see. Weiss, thank you. Farmer Jim.
4: Oracle, nice growth at a reasonable price tech.
2: Joey. Charts and MasterCard look fantastic. Stocks going above 400. All right. Uh, I will see you on Closing Bell. Countdown to the Fed continues right now on The Exchange. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern only on CNBC.
5: completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full halftime report disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash halftime report disclaimer.
2: You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems.